Well, good morning. I am glad to see you. I'm glad you're here. I hope you all survived the rain. You made it. You made it okay. I got soaked. Um, let's, I just want you to know you're in a safe place this morning. We're glad that you're here. Uh, our dress code, very simple. It's just simply please do. Yep. If you're dre- hey, we're just happy as the peach if you're dressed. And so that's all we require. Um, and we want you to know this too. We do not have like a favorite age group. We don't have a favorite type of person. We just don't have any favorites like that. We're not going to talk about who you voted for. We're not going to do any of that stuff. We're just simply going to do our best to see if we can uh, make a way through Scripture today and uh, see what God has to say to us. So we're glad you're here. You're in a very safe place. Um, As you came in and had a seat, had a seat there, you will see these uh, brown envelopes. And inside those brown envelopes, there's a couple of important items we just want to draw your attention to. The very first thing is when you look inside of there, there's going to be a giving envelope. But if you are our guest today, that is not there for you. That was not placed in there to make you feel like that we expect you to use it and we're trying to pressure you to use it, not at all. It's just there's a convenience for those who came prepared to give today, that's all. So if you don't need it, you just set that aside, and that is no problem at all. The other item, oh, let me tell you, while we're on that topic, though, there are two ways to give. One, you can use that giving envelope. The other way, Jacob's going to have on the screen for you. It just gives you information about the online giving. Everything I'm going to be talking about is also found online. If you go on your smartphone to thechurchinmalvern.com, and then as that loading page comes up, you'll notice a, a thing right on the loading screen that says, um, uh, let's see, it will say online worship guide. You click that, it'll take you to all the information I'm talking about this morning. The other item that's inside the brown envelope is called a connection card. So while the giving envelope is not for everybody, actually the connection card is for everybody. And we would love it if you would fill one of those out today. If you have filled one out every time you've been here, that's okay. Fill one out again, but all you have to do is put your name on it, and that's all we need. If you need to update your contact information, you can do that and mark that little box. Um, If it's your first time to fill one out or second time, You just give us the information you're comfortable giving us. And I want to make you a promise. We're not going to show up at your house. So you can give us that mailing address. It'll be okay. We're not going to show up and knock on your door. I promise you that, okay? So you can put that on there safely. Um, And uh, let's see. I'm trying to think what else is on there. Um, There's a place to mark first or second time. But one of the important things on the back side of that card, um, there's a place for you to put prayer requests or comments, uh, questions. We'll do our best to answer any question that you might have, and uh, we'll do that this week. There's also a place for you to let us know about a next step. Now, one of the next steps we're going to be talking about today is a thing called Covenant Partner. Now, if you're our guest this morning, or anybody, feel no pressure to take that step with us. We're just going to let you know about that step and let you know what that involves. Um, but please don't feel any pressure to uh, begin that process of becoming what we call a covenant partner. In fact, you'll probably, if you keep coming over the course of this year, you may not hear us really talk about that again because that's something we just don't talk a lot about. But since the church is new and we're beginning this whole process, you'll hear us talk about it through this month, but then we probably won't be talking about that much anymore. Um, it's just kind of uh, the way we do things. So 
let's see, I'm trying to think of what else I want to let you know about. Ah, here's one thing. Um, this coming Wednesday night is our second uh, time that the, the teenagers um, are coming together in this room for a very specific purpose. We're going to be hosting a family movie night, and that's going to be right here at 6 o'clock, and we're just kind of doing it as an outreach, the teenagers are. Um, and so if you're 7th through 12th grade, you want to come and help us, we could use the help because we, we got to cook popcorn, we got to make hot dogs and all that stuff. Um, and if you have friends or family, we would encourage you to invite them to the movie. And really, especially if they're not already involved in another church, we just love having stuff in this room because when people walk in, they get to see, okay, maybe they're not as weird as I thought um, that this church might be. Because I, honestly, I'm the weirdest thing about the church. Um, Cole's supposed to be here today. He's not weird at all. You got the weirdo today. Um, and so Cole's in Stuttgart today. Uh, let's see. So that's Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. We're going to be promoting that on Facebook. If you would help us out, you could share that on Facebook. You could invite some friends to be a part. It's going to be 6 o'clock. And the movie we're showing is uh, the new Dr. Doolittle movie. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've been holding off watching it so I could see it Wednesday. So anyway, that'll be here. Um, now, let me just make sure. I can't think that I'm forgetting anything. I think I got everything covered. So I tell you what, we're about ready to uh, continue our experience. So if you would um, hang on to those connection cards. If you're using the online version on your phone, maybe don't hit submit just yet. Maybe wait till the end of the worship experience because there might be a prayer request you want to add. There might be a next step you want to take. And so after we're done today, you can hit submit. And then if you're using uh, the paper version of the connection card or the paper envelope, um, there's a couple of buckets set out in the back here. I feel like an airline stewardess this way and this way on those areas there. So, all right, good. So if you would join me and let's talk to our Heavenly Father this morning. We just simply call that prayer. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for this day. And God, I, I'm grateful that you had the foresight to tell us uh, in your word that we were simply to reach out to each other and to cur encourage one another. Um, and you had Paul tell us even to encourage one another in the faith. And God, I just pray that today through this experience, that's exactly what we would do, that we would be able to encourage each other with what your words say. And God, I'm so grateful that you gave them to us. And as we look at them, God, I pray that you would help us to make more sense of them and how we can actually put those into our lives. And we just pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and um, I, I told you I bought a bunch of shoes on sale. Jimbo, second pair right here. Just wanted you to know, new pair of shoes. So <laughs> um, I want to give you a disclaimer this morning. Um, and th this is really the same disclaimer I gave to you 
last week, but the disclaimer says this. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I want you to know this is a safe place. We're never going to single you out. We're not going to uh, draw attention to, to that fact that you're on this journey because we're all on this journey. But you have a great experience, uh, I mean opportunity today, because if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you get to kind of look behind the curtain and kind of peek behind there and see what are some of the things that drive the church in Malvern. And we're going to be talking about one of those elements today. So I'm glad that you're here. You get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and to see some of the things that are really, really important to us. It's almost like you get to know ahead of time, if you ever do choose to follow Jesus, some of those things that will be involved in that following of Jesus. So this is a great opportunity, and I'm glad that you're here if you're not yet following Jesus. So we're glad you're here. If you are following Jesus, then what we're talking about today is something that is just really important to us um, as a church here, the Church of Malvern, and also where Cole is this morning at Stuttgart Harvest Church. I, I, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Um, it seems like for me, as I was growing up, um, as I was a child and then a teenager, I never really seemed to find my tribe. I, I never really had that group that I connected with and I thought they really knew me and I really knew them. I wanted that, but I never really, I don't feel like, I never really found my tribe. I wanted to belong, and you can tell I'm a weirdo, so maybe I had trouble, maybe that's what it was, but I wanted to belong, but I didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't feel like I connected. Now, that can be dangerous if you have a personality like I had, especially as I was growing up, because that means I was very susceptible to the first people that would accept me. And I was susceptible to that because I wanted to feel like I belonged. And so no matter where they were going, that's where I was going to go. No matter what they were doing, that's what I was going to do because I wanted to belong. And I think something inside of us, we all, I did that a couple times last week. I'm going to figure this out. There, I, I think something inside of us, we all want that tribe. We all want that group, even if it's just a couple of people. I think that's true for all of us. We want that group. But I think this is also true. Where that tribe goes, we go. And sometimes the tribe goes further than we want to go. They go further down that path. And we may not go as far as they go, but we usually so often go further than we wanted to go. I don't know about you, but this is true for me, and it, it might be true for you. Is it true that our biggest regrets in life that we have had so far, and now if we're a teenager or a young adult, you may not have as many, but our biggest regrets in life so often, they involve other people. They often involve people who are part of our tribe. Our tribes have influence over us. Um, whether that influence is good or whether, the whether that influence is bad. Here's something that's going to be on the screen. The wrong tribe, 
will lead us to the wrong place every time. But the right tribe will lead us to a better place. Now, I do want to say this. I've done some bad things with some good people. I've done some bad things with a good tribe. But generally speaking, over the course of our lives, the wrong tribe is going to lead us to the wrong place, and the right tribe is going to lead us toward a better place. I know this is not new information. That was not earth-shattering. may not even be worth writing down. But we do know that that tension exists between the two tribes. Now, we also know this. We also know that relationships are very hard to make those work. Friendships are difficult. Good, healthy relationships, they're hard to get started, but they're also difficult to maintain. That is difficult. And so maybe for me, maybe that's why I struggled as a teenager. Maybe that's why I struggled, because I had trouble finding my tribe, and I knew it was going to take a whole lot of work. And I want to be honest, I was very, very shy. And I don't think I had what I needed at that time to put in that work. And that may be why in the American church, now we talked a little bit about the American church last week, but that may be why in the American church we have a tendency to avoid relationships inside the church. Because developing and maintaining a good, healthy, strong relationship, it's just difficult. And maybe maybe we just don't have the energy, the emotional bandwidth to put in the work. And so maybe we just don't. It's interesting that so often, even for me, we're not really bothered that we're inside the church and yet we're kind of flying solo inside the church. I mean, goodness, we know we're supposed to go to church, right? But we just don't want to bother with people. I mean, and and so often from my perspective, I I wasn't always worried that I didn't have that tribe or people around me until, if you're anything like me, until I have a very specific need in my life. Now, when I'm experiencing something tough or I have a specific need or something happens, something goes wrong, suddenly I want a few people around me. Suddenly I need a few people around me. So then... We do want people around us. But if you're anything like me, it's just when we want them around us. Now, the typical American church that I grew up in, the main person that someone would want around them when they wanted them around was the pastor. The pastor. So when something would happen in somebody's life, something would go wrong, something was frustrating, some emergency. We wouldn't care if anyone else in the church showed up as long as the pastor shows up. So in the American church, well, we would end up with a church filled with people, but only one person who was really the responder one person who would handle the emergencies and all the needs that existed. 
Now, in my math, that sounds like that's headed for disaster because one person was never meant to meet all those needs. But then again, if you're anything like me, as long as everything was going smoothly, as long as everything was somewhat okay, well, I could just show up on Sundays and there was a whole bunch of people like me who could just show up on Sundays and we didn't really need anyone. We could just show up on Sundays. And so I think in America, we have developed a new American church philosophy. And here's what I think it is. It says, God is all I need. God is all I need. God and me, that's a majority. Have you heard that? God and me, that's a majority. God is enough. And the idea there is that I really don't need other people. I mean, with God, I feel strong enough. With God, well, maybe I, I can conquer depression. I've met some people who have done that with just God. With God, I can get sober. I've met some folks who have done that. With God, I can stop some kind of compulsive behavior. I've met some who have done that too. Therefore, in our mind, we begin to think, okay, well, that sounds right. Then God is enough. God is enough. So I can just focus on God, and that's good. We think, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, isn't God enough? Isn't he enough? I mean, isn't God sufficient? Can't he handle it all? And I would say, yes, God is all-powerful. And I, I would say, yes, God is all-sufficient. And I would say, yes, God can do absolutely anything that God chooses to do. But God doesn't choose to do everything. That's just the truth. I mean, he can. But for some reason, he often doesn't. I'm just going to guess, but God probably didn't wake you up this morning. And God probably didn't fix your breakfast. He fixed us a good breakfast last week, but he probably didn't fix your breakfast today, did he? I mean, God didn't drive you here this morning. I mean, God uses all sorts of other things to kind of help us in life. And the letter written to the Hebrews that we find in the New Covenant, it talks about how God has these ministering spirits, these angels that he uses to help us. The book of Romans talks about how even God's creation, God uses creation to help draw us toward God. The Old Covenant talks about how God even used a jackass to talk to Balaam. I'm pretty sure that's how he uses me too. <laughs> ar, ar, ar. Some of you are saying, yeah, he does. Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, we know this. God uses all kinds of things, but God even uses people. We all have parts of our lives that feel broken. 
And some of us have been waiting on God and we've been talking to God and just waiting on him to come in and fix those broken, hurting, emotionally struggling parts. And we've been waiting on that. And just maybe, just maybe God has been trying to get through to us that he's going to use a few other people in the process to help restore some of those parts in our lives that feel broken and that feel defeated. But maybe it's not happening for us and we feel that. And maybe it's not happening, just maybe a possibility because maybe we've been avoiding those very people that God wants to use to help some of those deeper hurts in our lives. Maybe we've been avoiding some of those deeper relationships. And that's why we use this phrase here. Jacob's going to have it on the screen. We use rows and circles. Now, I know that sounds a little mystical. Let me tell you what I mean. We use rows so that over the course of the life of this church, we're going to be able to get more people in this room. And as we fill this room, then we'll start meeting additional times so we can fill it again. We use these rows to pack people in. That's why we add the bar seating in the back. That's why we have the tables back here. We could fit about uh, 125 adults and teenagers in this area here. That's why we use rows. So over the course of time, we can pack more and more and more people in. Rows to get people in, but circles to get people out. Here's what we mean by that. We're going to be moving people out of this room and toward small groups. Rows to get more people in here physically. Rows to get more and more people in here under the teaching of the word, which is what we're doing right now. Under the te- and it's not my word, the teaching. When I say the word, I'm talking about God's word under teaching of the scripture rows to get more scripture into our lives for the week so that we can use it and we can reflect on it and we can grow but we're going to use circles to get more out circles to help us get more out of life circles to help us get out of this building and into the lives of other people that's what circles are for you see we grow relationships deeper in those circles as we begin to do life together instead of flying solo. That's where I believe, as a pastor, that's where I believe truly we're going to see more and more life change that happens inside of us as we get into more and more circles. Now, I know this sounds kind of backwards. That's why we have it as part of this series. It sounds backwards, but I do believe it's true. So here's the statement. For us to grow larger, we have to grow smaller. And yeah, that's backwards. That means we're going to need more circles than we have rows. Let's change gears for a moment. Our understanding from Scripture, the the church is not an organization, okay? So we're beginning to understand this, that the church is not a building. In fact, this building doesn't even belong to the church. We rent this building. The church is not a building. The church is not even an organization. While it is organized, it's not an organization. The church 
is actually, as described by the New Covenant, the church is a living organism. Jesus describes the church, and I know this is weird, this sounds odd, but this is how he describes it. It's an analogy. He describes it as his body, and that's an organism that is organic. You see, the church is made up of relationships with God, but it's also made up of relationships with each other. That's what makes up the church. Listen to what uh, Paul said. Now, he wrote a letter to the people at the church of Ephesus. And I want to look at a portion of that. It's in Ephesians. That's what the letter is called now. He didn't call it Ephesians. He just said, hey, folks in Ephesus, this is for you. Ephesians chapter 4, I'm going to start with verse 1. This is what Paul wrote to them. He said, therefore I, and he describes himself, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Now, he's clearly addressing folks who are following Jesus. He says in the next verse, and also he didn't write like verse 1, verse 2. That was added uh, centuries later. He just wrote a letter. Verse 2, we, that's for us so we can follow along. He says, always be humble and gentle. Now he's talking about how we live life. All right, how you're to live life in this thing called a church. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Well, that's a great one. Making allowance. Here's a big one. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So in other words, I think Paul is saying this. Inside the church, in these relationships, care starts there. That's where it begins. Care starts there, where we begin inside the church to practice what we call the one another's that we find all throughout the new covenant. Care starts there. You know, there's almost 60 one another commands in the new covenant. And here's a reality. We can't do a single one of those one another commands unless we're involved in the life of of another person. That's the truth. Verse 3, he goes on. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. And I love this phrase, binding yourselves together with faith. Now, that Greek phrase has a picture to it. Now, here's the picture of that phrase. It's a picture of ligaments inside the body. The binding yourselves together, it's this image of the parts of the body, the bones being bound together with joints, with tendons, with ligaments, all of those connecting tissues holding that body together. And here's what I believe. Some of those ligaments, maybe many of them, are the one another's that we find in the new covenant. So what happens in community? Well, when we move out of rows into circles, do you know what happens? We begin to learn how to forgive because there's people in those circles that might hurt our feelings. We learn how to forgive. Um, we learn how to be forgiven inside those circles. We learn when I hurt someone's feelings, I, I learn how to be forgiven. Inside those circles, we begin to change 
as our priorities begin to change as we're doing life together. And the one another's, they all lead toward care. People caring for each other. And that care that is expressed grows deeper bonds. In other words, stronger ligaments and joints that are holding the body together. And that deeper unity between the body parts, it holds it all together. And I think the one another's have a big part of that. So the one another's teach us how to talk to someone instead of about them. Let that sink in. The one another's in the new covenant teach us how to talk to somebody instead of going home and talking about them. Wow. Paul goes on. He's not done. Verse 7. He says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, Paul goes on to explain in that passage, he goes on to explain more about those gifts. Let's move to verse 11. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. So this is just a sample, not all of them, just a sample. He said, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. And then he describes what's supposed to go on with this group of gifts. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. Now notice, the pastors are not what I would call the professional ministers. He says they have a very specific responsibility. Notice he did not say that the pastors and teachers are the main source of care. In fact, it doesn't even say anything about the pastor, pastors caring. We hope that they were caring people, but that's not what he says they're there for. The pastors, he said, are there to teach scripture and to equip, prepare, train the body to care for each other. So even in this scenario, in the New Covenant, when he's writing this letter to this church, that church had a few pastors. It didn't have one pastor, it had a few had a few pastors, teachers. There were some, maybe some apostles that visited there. Maybe some prophets that came through. In fact, the, the apostles were labeled really as prophets. That should almost be a slash, apostle slash prophet. But there were a few. There were a few pastors. But the pastors were not the ministers. There were a few pastors, and then everyone who was part of that church, everyone who was following Jesus in that church, they were all the ministers. And they were caring for each other. That's what the New Testament church looked like. Now let's look at verse 13. 
He says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and our knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature. There's the goal. Mature in the Lord. And he describes that measuring up to the full and the complete standard of Christ. In other words, when we're acting as the church and we were all being ministers in the church as he's called us to be, practicing the one another's, he says we're going to be more and more and more and more like Jesus. Now this is huge. This is really huge. Paul says it right here, that that is where we get our maturity. That's where maturity comes from. But in the American church, we have a different idea. We feel like our maturity comes from our knowledge of God's word. That our maturity comes from what is taught on Sunday mornings. That's where the typical American church feels like their maturity comes from. What is taught and what they comprehend and what they learn. But that's not what Paul is saying. Our maturity comes as we are being, practicing, being the church all those one another's that's where our maturity comes from and he says it again in the book of Hebrews uh, that letter written in Hebrew now we're not sure he wrote it but it is stated again in the new covenant in the letter written to the Hebrews that our maturity and our depth in our faith and in our spiritual life with God, that maturity, Hebrew says, is actually our own responsibility. Our own responsibility. Our depth is our personal responsibility. It's not someone else's. It's mine. And it says in Hebrews that that depth and maturity, it echoes what Paul says right here in Ephesians, that it comes from serving one another. You can find that in Hebrews chapter 5. That's where the maturity comes. That is the path to maturity. When we take that and we begin to serve and practice all those one another's. I, I've had people tell me this before. They're like, well, I think we need to find a new church. They haven't said it here. It's been said at other places at other times. I think I'm going to have to find a new church. I just, I want deeper teaching. I want to grow. I want deeper teaching. And everywhere I find in the new covenant, our maturity and our depth doesn't come from what we're taught on Sunday morning. And that's the truth. And if that's what we're relying on, we will never be mature. It doesn't come from Sundays. Paul says we mature, we grow deeper by living out what the Scripture says and practicing the one another's inside the church body. Verse 14, he goes on. 
then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind and every new teaching. We'll not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way. Here's the goal. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. And then he says, who is the head of his body, the church. And in verse 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. All right, I love this. So here's the thought again. Here's his body, the different parts. He makes them fit together. He gives us the ability to have all of these ligaments and connective tissue of loving each other and serving each other and practicing the one on others. And he goes on. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy. When we are connected through those one another's and serving each other and being the church and living out scripture, we help the whole body stay healthy. Do you hear what's happening? Health spiritually comes from the body. Now, this is interesting. This is by God's design. The spiritual body, the church, actually is designed to heal its hurts. Let that sink in. The church body is designed to heal its hurts and stay healthy. He says, he goes on, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So here's the truth. We can't fly solo. Not in the church as God has designed the church. We can't fly solo. As much as we want to fly solo, we can't fly solo in the church. God has designed it so that we actually need each other. So think with me for a moment. God is love. Have you heard that? God is love. Love is only experienced through a relationship. That's it. That's the only way we can feel it and experience it is through a relationship. Therefore, anything involving God is going to involve, because God is love, and if you experience that through relationship, anything involving God is going to involve relationships. And here's an important concept. God is the one who grows us with his grace. That's the way the scriptures describe it. But do you know where you get that grace? Do you know how God takes his grace and places it in your life and in my life? We're going to read about it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Based on the gift each one has received, use it to serve others as good managers of the varied grace of God. Here's what that's saying. Inside the church, if you're connected to Jesus, following Jesus, God has given you certain things certain ways 
to invest in, encourage, love, serve other people. And then he's given us all the one another's. He says, I want you to manage all that because here's what he's saying. Manage the varied grace of God. Here's what that means. God grows us with grace, but look how we get that grace. God's grace is administered to my life and your life. God's grace is applied to your life and my life, poured over my life and your life through our relationships. It's through relationships with other people who are following Jesus. That's how we get and receive on an ongoing basis the grace of God. That's what Paul said, and I mean, that's what Peter said in his letter. That's how we get God's grace. Now, have you ever seen that? Have you ever understood that? That if there are no people who are following Jesus that are deeply involved in your life, you're not getting God's grace on an ongoing way. That's huge. This body, the church, it has been designed and put together by God. And God actually uses this body to heal itself from the hurts that we experience in this life. So let's look at our physical bodies for a moment. I know a doctor somewhere in Little Rock that got a real good look at my body this week. <laughs> Colonoscopy. <laughs> he had a, it was cinematic. I woke up in the middle of it. I was like, wow, that's me. So look at our physical, sorry, I gave you all that image. <laughs> physical bodies. Respiratory system. We bring in the air, our body takes that oxygen, and it gets it into our blood, respiratory system. Our digestive system, my favorite system. We take fuel into our body. Fuel goes in, carries the waste out. Circulatory system. That blood moves that fuel and it moves that oxygen all through to all the parts of our body. And then it sends that blood through a very special part of our body that begins to clean the blood so that it's ready to be used again. Okay, so that cleans it, takes all the toxins out. And then coming to kind of sweep everything up and clean house, we have our immune system. And that gets involved, and it sweeps out and cleans up and throws away, puts in the trash bag and hauls it out, all the stuff that comes in our body that's trying to take over and hijack our body. The immune system comes in, takes care of it all, keeps. So the body, our physical bodies, are designed to keep ourselves healthy. Okay? That's designed by God. But also designed by God is the church, which is the body of Christ. And it is also designed to keep itself healthy and to keep itself healed when everyone is living the one another's that we find in Scripture. So 
at the church in Malvern and Stuttgart Harvest Church, we're not a church that just has small groups on the side as one of the things that we do. As we continue to grow, you will see that we are not just a church that has small groups, but we are a church that is made up of small groups because it's inside those groups where all the healthy things happen. We don't fly solo, and we're not going to teach you to fly solo. We're going to point everyone toward a group all the time because care starts there. And that's where we learn to live, all these one another's that we find in the scripture. And that's where we practice living as the church, as the body of Christ. And it takes a lifetime of practice. I'm still learning. I'm still relatively horrible at it. I'm still learning. Because this side of heaven, I'm going to keep doing things wrong, and so are you. And, and I'm going to keep hurting feelings by what I say and how I say it, and so are you. I'm going to keep failing, and I'm going to keep falling. I'm going to keep hurting others. But that's where we learn how to ask for forgiveness, how to offer forgiveness, how to learn how to forgive. And then we get back up and we keep practicing those one another's all over again. We just don't stop. And here's what happens over the course of time. If we will hang in there and do it, we get better. We get better. And we get better. And each time we do it, we're a little more and more and more like Jesus. And that's maturity. And that's the goal. So what does all this mean for us today? Well, today our next step is kind of a future next steps. Because our small groups are kind of wrapping up. We're going to be kind of wrapping things up in the next week or two, the next two weeks. Our small groups will end for the summer, our summer trimester. But that means... Around August and September, we're going to begin talking about small groups again. And we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up to be a part of a small group. And here's what I'm asking today, is that as that conversation begins, which is going to happen about the end of summer, I want to encourage you to decide today, to go ahead and decide so the decision is made, that when that comes around, that I'm going to sign up for a group. I'm going to be a part of a group. Because that's, you're going to hear us talking about groups a lot because that is where it all happens. That's where care takes place. That's where we learn how to love each other and how to do the one another's. So, this morning's next step is a future step. Will you go ahead and decide today when that rolls around I will sign up for a group. And I just want you to know, we don't have a, the only group that has like an age bracket, it's our student group. Now, right now, the children, we consider what we do on Sunday mornings, both their teaching time like this, like we're teaching and they're teaching on a kid's level, but that's also where their small group takes place. But for teenagers, that's the only group that has a bracket on it, here to here. At, at this point, there may be others later, but at this point, that's the only bracket. 7th through 12th grade, that's the student group. And we're going to have one in the fall. I hope you'll sign up for them uh, if you're in that bracket. But all the other groups, there's not a group where you say, oh, I'm, I'm, am I too old for that group? Not, 
not, not here. Am I too, uh, is that group for, for older people who have been following Jesus longer? Is that for, no, no, we don't have any brackets at this point. We just want you in a group, in a group. And then here's the second step, and this isn't for everybody. This may be just for a few, but if you're wanting to take a step to say, you know what, I, I feel like that God has kind of directed me to this church, the church in Malvern, and if you're ready to begin a process, a journey uh, of discovering what it means to be, uh, we don't use the word member here. We use the word covenant partner. And if you want to discover what that entails, then you might check on the back of your connection card. says, hey, I want information about being a covenant partner. And Frank will get you information this week. You've never met Frank. Frank is in, in Stuttgart. But you'll hear from him this week. So maybe that's a step for you. But I just want you to think with me for a moment as we wrap this up. Can you imagine what it might be like? In fact, I'm going to step down, Chris, so that you can make your way up here. Can you imagine what it might be like if we have a church? And I, I don't want to use the word if because I, I think the word is when, really. When we have a church that is developing the kind of community that I'm talking about, when that happens, when we have a church that has that kind of community, and we understand because care starts there. That's where we can best care for other people, and that's where they can care for us. And as we begin experiencing that community in unity, those ligaments, those connecting ligaments in unity, and we experience that as we grow, and we teach this, that we believe Deep life change doesn't happen in this room. It's introduced, but it begins to get lived out inside that small group, in that circle, not in the rows. And you might say, well, how, how will I know if that's beginning to happen? How will I know if I'm beginning, if that's part of what's going on in me? And I think this is how we'll know it. I think we'll know it because we'll begin to have this feeling I, that I make being part of a small group a priority in my schedule and in my life. And how we'll say, you know what? I believe that we'll begin to see that we have an abundance, an abundance of love and grace and forgiveness for someone who maybe hurt our feelings we'll know that that's beginning to grow inside of us. Someone who's maybe hurt me, but yet I'm able through that hurt and through that disappointment, I'm still able to have some forgiveness and some grace and love and care even for that person. And that's where we're headed. And the truth is we, we can't do that alone. We can't fly solo. All right. I'm just going to ask you, would you join me as we pray? Jesus, even when you prayed for us, you prayed and, and asked. You asked that we would be one as a church like you, Jesus, and the Father are one. That as you are in the Father and the Father is in you, that that's what we would experience, that kind of unity. And you said, Jesus, that when we experience that kind of unity, 
that the world around us will believe that you, Jesus, are real. So Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for the times that I have flown solo in this. And in doing so, I have not convinced the world that you were real. I ask Jesus that you would continue to grow me and my friends here and continue to mature us, understanding that our real maturity will only, only come as we learn to love each other better. And we need your help to do it, Jesus. And we pray all of these things in your name. Amen.